Hi guys, welcome back to Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. Today's episode, I'm actually talking to my dad about some financial things. I feel like financials can be like so overwhelming and there's so much lingo and my dad has done a great job I personally think of explaining these things to me and so I just wanted to share this episode with you guys to like get a brief understanding of investing and what that's like you know as a reminder my dad is not actually like you know a financial advisor he doesn't do this for a living or anything so take everything with a grain of salt, but he's definitely taught me a lot. And, you know, I have been so grateful to learn these things through him. So I wanted to share that with you guys. So let's go to that episode. (laughs) So you want to be an it girl? Welcome back to Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. Today, I am joined by my dad, Nick Frygang, to talk about some things money-related and how to invest in yourself and your future uh, financially. So welcome, dad. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you. Um, So let's go ahead and start with basically, like, what do you say you do to people? Uh, well, I'm, I worked as an engineer for many years, but I also manage asset allocation for, for our family. Very good. So how, how things are invested in different things in different ways and how it's all managed. Okay. Very good. Love that. So let's start with but the let very... Me say, let me Go just ahead. say one thing. Yes. I am not an investment professional. That This yes. is not advice that you should take out and 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 think you're going to make a million dollars with right away. And right. It's, uh, I this is just my personal experience. Love and that. For educate for uh for entertainment purposes only. Entertainment, yes. Entertainment slash learning. Just sure. Learning. Learning. Not, whatever. Okay, so let's start with the very very basics. What would you say like an investment is? I would say an investment is anything that uh, is where money is or value is put aside and allowed to to grow or maybe is nurtured so that uh, it is more in a future time and that uh, value can be harvested basically uh, for for retirement or for your kids or or for something that you need later in life uh, so um, so would you say that the point of investing is really to grow, to put money in and watch it double, maybe not hopefully double, but like grow in value? Well, rather than than talk about investing in particular, I would say there, there are a couple of important parts of money management in general that uh, that one needs to, that one, that are, are beneficial habits. Money management habits that are beneficial for uh, for long term appreciation and 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 happiness. Right. And what and do you think those are? Savings of value. But but the world has changed so much since when when I was a young man. It used to be that savings was in a savings account, and you just kept money in it, and it earned a percentage interest that was somewhat decent and it grew and you kept putting money in that and that's how you save. But 
the world's become much more complicated and now it's more savings, saving and appreciating the value, preserving the value and preserving the growth or, or having it grow in value. And that may not necessarily be in dollars anymore. Um, and but the most important thing I would say is, is that and we did this with you is, is that you get in the habit of saving. Mm-hmm. So even even if you're just out of school, come to a new town and you're trying to break into an industry uh, and doing something on the side and just barely making ends meet. Mm-hmm. If you just take a little bit of money and put it away and not touch it and let it and let it grow and, and keep adding to it just to be in the habit of it, mm-hmm. then uh, when things are better, that asset can be uh, changed in investment and uh, used to grow in value. Totally. And so let's just make an example. Let's say you've been saving for a while and you have a decent, doesn't necessarily need to be large, little bit of money and you want to invest it into something. What are what are the things to invest in? Well, I, I go back to the old... Uh, to the old, old adage that the best investment you can have is in your home. Mm. And, but, but home is different. I mean, especially in LA right now, you're not going to working odd jobs or gig jobs and trying to break into an industry. Totally. You're not going to have enough money usually uh, to go out and, and, and buy a home, but you might be able to buy uh, an, uh, an apartment enter and buy it with a friend or, or your significant other or something like that. And, uh, and maybe you take in roommates to help make the payment. And if you can figure that all out, then that's an investment too. And that's a good investment, especially if you can, in these times, structure it so that the income and, and the payments uh, are met. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of complexity to that. So uh, let me just say that that in I've dealt with a lot of professional investment advisors mm-hmm. and 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 uh, nobody one of them who who I have great respect for always prefaces preface things by saying, "Well, I don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what the future is going to be." But given that there are thir- certain themes that emerge. Mm-hmm. And, and and the problem with being young is is that the, the themes that reemerge are new themes to them, to the young, whereas to the older, they've seen it before. And right. one of the things that is coming into prospects now is the prospect of inflation. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't had inflation in the last 40 years. Right. What's the basic definition of inflation? The the simple rule is, way to explain it is prices keep going up. Mm. You go to the grocery store and all of a sudden the the chicken which was 5.99 is now 6.99 right. or 10.99 and uh and so that's that's what inflation is to the consumer and and what one hopes is is that uh one's income from working adjusts to the rate of, to the inflation so that if prices go up your wages might go up some 
Well, we hope. I think that doesn't necessarily always happen, but, you know, we want it to. Yeah, well, and the government, the minimum wage usually it goes up. When I was a kid, minimum wage was like three fifty, and Oh, my God. And now, uh, well, I just looked in New Mexico and it was ten fifty. So, okay. Um, which is still not much, but right. Um, but it has adjusted some. So, so, but if you if you have an investment in a home mm-hmm. uh, and and you have it structured so that uh, if you have some debt on it and that payment is fixed, it's not going to adjust. It's not a floating rate. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then you. Uh, and you have roommates who are who are paying rent and and uh, and uh, then and you can afford the taxes and that's a good investment. Mm-hmm. So the other thing about investments is that they carry risk and there's a risk reward ratio. Yeah. So really risky investments, if they if they pan out, will pay a lot, pay a lot, but the chances of them paying out are not as good. Whereas a safe investment, it will not uh, appreciate in value as much, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a safer it's a safer bet. So, do you have an example of either? Um, yeah, like right now, a lot of people are buying cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and cryptocurrencies are relatively new, and they fluctuate in value greatly. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you put your money into a cryptocurrency and then if you need it at some point, let's say you're going to buy a car or something and you need a down payment, mm-hmm. there's not no guarantee that uh, it's going to be worth a lot more and that you can just take that money out. Mm-hmm. You may take a loss at certain times, but over the long term, so far, it's gone up, which leads me to the other thing is, is that the the thing about a, a a good a good investment is not to trade it mm-hmm. to to stick with it long term mm-hmm. so if if you're if you buy a condo or something and have it set up so that it's affordable not to move into a bigger condo or in a ritzier neighborhood or a better neighborhood just just to upgrade mm-hmm. um, so thing other investments um, for example, if you were to invest in stocks or or have a, a brokerage, it, rather than trade in and trade out, every time there's the chances of you're getting it right for the next trade decrease. Whereas if you just buy something that you think has long-term good prospects, mm-hmm. um, then and just sit with it and not look at it every time and not look at it as a source of uh of oh wow that's money I've made I can take that out right and um, and just let it grow so long term in the financial circles they call it long term capital appreciation okay so and and I totally agree I mean I've learned this all from you too but I think it's so interesting because I think there's so much in like the fast pacedness of like the culture and like Instagram and social media. And like, you know, there's even apps you can invest your money in now on phone, like your phone, like you could just do it while you're like walking to the grocery store. I think there's such a idea of like getting rich really fast or like, you know, through like the new coolest wave and like, you know, 
I think what I would really like to say through this episode too, is like, I think it's really important to make the long-term investment, find the thing that's like in years, in time, appreciate in value, not just something like, oh, quick in and out. Cause like something we were talking about earlier, like there's just so much more risk involved in that. And I, I just, I don't feel like that's talked a lot about in certain ways. Like, I just feel like it's so get rich quick, invest in something that's brand new. And like, you know, it, it, it's just going to blow up and you can get out really quick when really like, especially if you're young, you have so much time to invest something in a something, it'd be a stock or like a home or something, and then watch it grow in time. And like, that is just not as publicized, I feel like. Well, it's, it's worse than that, actually. Mm. Um, because in our society and the financial, uh, so much of the financial uh, uh, business is, 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 the, is focused on getting you to borrow money mm. so that you can live like you made this money all of a sudden and uh, by borrowing it when in fact you're, what you're doing is, is you're shortchanging your future. Mm-hmm. And um, when you told me you wanted to talk to me about this, mm-hmm. I went and, and checked out a couple of things and I went on SoFi. Okay. You know, and the SoFi's hip. I mean, mm-hmm. and SoFi actually has some good product products. Mm-hmm. But um, if you go onto their website and look at their products, most of it is about getting your money and borrowing against it, getting a credit card, mm-hmm. getting a mortgage, uh, pay, uh, refinancing your student loans. And there's a little bit about investing that if you have money that you have not borrowed against, um, and you want to invest it, they have an automatic portfolio balancer. Oh. And, um, and, uh, that, that, and you can sort of go through a checklist of, of how you would like it and in what directions and what sort of returns and how much risk you want to take. Mm-hmm. And it's all automated. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but most of their business is actually loaning money. In fact, all the all the financial services companies now they want they they encourage you to borrow money against the assets that you have there and then you can use it on that great vacation or that spiffy new car or something like that but um but it's not really, it's doing you a disservice in the long term because it's it's not allowing your investment to grow because you're making interest payments and you have to buy down the debt and in the worst case in brokerage uh, accounts, if the market goes down, what you're borrowing again is the assets of the stocks or, or whatever funds you have. Mm-hmm. And if they go down, you're, so you, you're, you're subject to a margin call and the brokerage can sell off your assets and get paid off and leave you with what's left. Wow. Okay. Many questions there. First off, just for anybody out there who doesn't completely understand or whatever, can you in really basic terms explain like how the system of like stock works or investing in something that has like a volatile or not volatile, but like has a change over time? Well, there, there, there's different stocks and some of them are more volatile than others. The, the big, big companies like Nike is, mm-hmm. is an example that it it has some 
fluctuations, but but relative to something like uh, Nvidia or something. What's Nvidia? I don't even know what that Nvidia is. Nvidia <laughs> is is a is a company that makes very fast computer processors okay. that they use for self-driving vehicles and 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 things like that. So, so somewhat a new artificial company? intelligence. Is it like new ish? In compared it's, to it's, like it's relatively newish. It's sure. it's it wasn't around ten years ago. So yeah, that's pretty new in terms so, of the stock market, right? Or or Tesla has okay. quite fluctuation. So there's an example of of a, of a stock. So a stock is is if you're if you're going to start a company and 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 you are going to uh, need money to build your factory. Mm-hmm. There are two ways you can raise money to build it. You can convince a bank to lend you money, but that has a higher cost because you have to pay interest on what they lent you. Mm-hmm. Or you can sell stock or ownership interest in the company. Mm-hmm. And that's what stocks are, is, is they are ownership interest in the company. Right. So you actually own a little piece of the company. And then because depending on how well the company is doing, that amount will go up and down. Right. People, there are these people called analysts that evaluate what the current value of the company is based on its revenue and its assets and its and its market. And and, and so and they, they usually give a range of of what the stock should be trading at. Mm hmm. So then you buy into a stock and you have a certain amount of shares in that company and it's made or lost money. And at some point you decide to do what with it? Well, if you're going to buy an individual stock, it should be in a company that you have a great faith in. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think of... um, uh, my sister, when I was t- when I started out and explaining it all to her, there was mm-hmm. this company that she really liked that she really wanted that she really and it was called Snapple, and it had just become available on the market, mm-hmm. and she bought Snapple, and I and I encouraged that, but I said just hold on to it, mm-hmm. keep going, it'll it's going to go up and down, but long term, like five years later, and that's pretty long term. It got bought out by Schweppes, I think. Okay. So she didn't have to do anything. She just sat there with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it went up and down. But over the long term, it went up. And then Schweppes bought it. And she got the, her money back plus some. And some. So, right. but, but stocks, portfolio. if you're going to really invest in stocks, then you should build a portfolio of stocks. And there's all sorts of rules for portfolio balancing and managing. And, uh, and um, I wouldn't suggest that to the small investor. Mm. There are, there are things called electronic traded funds. Mm. And those funds can represent an index or an industry. So if, if you think, for example, that healthcare is going to be a growing industry, and at times in, it has been, then you could invest in a healthcare ETF, mm-hmm. or or now there are socially responsible ETFs that invest in green energy and 
and and things like that. And you can invest if you think that that's the way the future is going to go. And if you want to invest in that. So and once you once you have a small nest egg, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, suppose let's suppose that you're gig working and and you're breaking into the industry and and you get a good gig, a steady gig or, or a steady a steady job in the industry that you've been trying to break into and uh, and you have some real income coming in it's probably at that time it's worthwhile getting a investment advisor um how do you and, pick an investment advisor well um often it's through word of mouth um sometimes it's through like there uh so there there are our companies like Charles Schwab has investment advisors that they can refer you to. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a firm, but there's usually a contact person there and you hope that they're going to be there for a while. And, uh, and they usually have a, a, a brokerage license or, um, or a certified financial accountants license. And they, um, and they can help you invest. Uh, and, depending upon how much money you have accumulated. Um, well, let's say, or let's say um, you've have this house and, and now your career is going to take you to another part of the nation. Uh, like suppose you're, uh, you've had some success in, in LA, but now you want to, you, your career path is better suited in New York and you need to move to New York. And uh, um and you sell and you sell your real estate in LA and you look at New York and you say, well, I want to make sure I'm firmly established before I buy something in New York. So you have all this money. And, uh, and so that then the investment advisor would help you choose what investments you, uh, you should, could put it in so that later you could have that money to buy another residence in New York city or, or, or in the suburbs or wherever you're, you're going. So, but um, investment advisors are not necessarily always acting in your best interest. Um, It used to be that uh, investment advisors were also, or were, or the broker was uh, made their money by commissions so they were very interested in you buying and selling things and, and going and, and buying the next hottest thing and then writing it up, hopefully, and then selling it and then and then buying the next best thing. But a long term, their record isn't as good as just holding the asset either in an index fund or by and large or uh, or a, or a, a sector fund. What is an index fund and what is a sector fund? Okay, so an index fund is like you've heard of the Dow Jones Industrial. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's 30 stocks of big companies or the S&P 500. That's the 500 largest uh, companies that are traded uh, stocks on. And then there's the broader NASDAQ, which is the National Association of Security Dealers stocks and so and uh so those um those are they they are not any specific industry there they include things like 
Apple and Google and GM and and uh, Nike and and, uh, and so it's a broad range of stocks mm-hmm. and it it tracks what the market. So if the market goes up as a whole, they go up as a whole. If the market goes down as a whole, they go down as a whole. So that's a really easy way to invest in a lot of different things and just kind yeah. of follow the trend of the market. Yes, that's that's very appropriate, especially for the smaller investor. Mm. Um, the other thing you can do is is uh, there are now some brokerage services where you can buy uh, quarter shares or or smaller than one share. Oh, wow. and and or you can buy a block of of stocks of diversified stocks that uh, um, and and not have to buy one share of each or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know too much about those because I don't deal with small small less than one share uh-huh. but um but uh it's it's become an influence in the market the small investor has become the uh influence in the market and that recently happened with a gamestop stock oh yeah explain that whole situation <laughs> oh that's that might be a little more too complicated. Oh my god. I mean, but basically it was a bunch of people bought into it, right? Really on micro levels and then it skyrocketed. Yes, well there there are all sorts of things that you can do besides just buy a stock. Mm-hmm. You can you can sell a stock and then buy it back. Uh it's called short selling. Yeah. And uh um and then there are options too. So you can say I'm going to buy uh, the right to buy this stock at this price three weeks from now or three months from now. Wow. And so so you can gain access to a lot more stock at that time at a much lower price. So there are, there are all sorts of complicated ways to invest. Um, and it's, it's only for the investment professional to... Mm-hmm. To, to do that. And uh, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, the thing about investing is like, it sounds so complicated. There's so many different things. There's so many, it, it like even the words, you know, you don't know what they mean. Like it can be really, really overwhelming in this space, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier that like, it's just really important to have like this mindset of like patience and time and like knowing the things you're investing in, because then like, you also have an understanding of like, you know, how, how that is going, you know, like if you invest in a a clothing company that like, you know, in 10 years is non-existent, like you, and you were following clothing because you're just in the clothing, like you, you, you see that start to happen. Like, that's why, like, I think it's important to talk about investing in things, you know, and understand, but also the importance to like stress on like taking the time to let it, just sit. Yeah. Well, that's, and it doesn't well, have to be me. just stocks. It could <laughs> sure. be, it could be apartments. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had one or two rental apartments in different neighborhoods and you bought it when in the neighborhood was down, but you knew it was going to come up because of whatever reason mm-hmm. or, or cars like, right. like um, your uncle, Chris, he he buys cars and and he keeps his cars. He keeps them safe in the garage and he drives them once on a nice sunny day or something like that. But he knows certain cars like that, you know, 58 Alfa Romeo that is is going to. 
No, I don't know it, but uh, someone yeah. does. Yeah, it's going to keep yeah, going. Yeah. You. Do I know that car? No, but that's the thing is like knowing the trends, you know, it's like, I think I, I've even felt it myself. Like you get so overwhelmed or like you, you don't really understand. There's so much like lingo and it's like, really? No, it's just like, okay, think about the things, you know? So like for me, I mean, TV and film is kind of like a hard one, but like, I think about the popular places or the popular music festival companies or popular clothing that's like popping off or, you know, I think Nike is such a great example because it's such a stable company and like, you know, it's kind of like at the top of its industry. So it's like, it's really, it doesn't have to be that hard. You know, it's like, there's a vintage PlayStation. I don't know. I'm completely making Mm -hmm. this up, but like, you know, in 20 years that that PlayStation is going to be worth a lot, you know, like holding on to that PlayStation is of a value. Like, I think that's where it sounds so complicated, but also like you can make it simpler. Well, if if you're in the business or it's enough of a hobby, Mm -hmm. then you can invest some of your investments in in that. So Mm -hmm. especially if you can protect them, like housing a car car and garages and and uh, and keeping your apartments in relatively good shape and and uh, neighborhoods that won't get burned down like by forest fires or whatever. Totally. Or, you know, you got to balance the risk. Right. You have to look at also like with that, like the climate, like, you Mm -hmm. know, is it going to be underwater in 50 years or a hundred years? You know, that's going to have an effect on the investment. So it's like understanding the factors around whatever you're putting your money into. Right. So I I just want to go back to the brokers. Go back to it. So, uh, the broker, a broker, most brokers are, are investment advisors mm-hmm. that are suggesting that you invest your money in certain ways. Do not have to put your interest above their self-interest. If 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 they're going to get money from it and they might encourage you to go into that investment and that's they are not what's known as fiduciaries. What's you, that? If, a fiduciary is somebody like a trustee like, uh, of a trust. Um, uh, suppose, suppose uh, in the unfortunate example that uh, a child is left orphaned and because his, their parents uh, were deceased in, in some sort of accident or something like that. And then they, the, the court might set up a trust with the parent's asset and appoint a trustee. Mm-hmm. to manage that trust for that child. That trustee has to put the child's interest above his own interest in the making of investment decisions. As a it's, 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 that's a fiduciary responsibility. Mm-hmm. But most brokers do not have a fiduciary responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you were going to buy a house and you had stocks and you had the, the down payment and wanted to finance it, the broker might say, well, you've got stocks that you can borrow against. Why don't you just make your uh, your payments? Uh, we'll set it up so that you have your debt at the brokerage account and, uh, and, and you can pay off the rest of your, or pay off the mortgage to us. But in fact, what because it's it's a debt that exists in the a line of credit that exists in the brokerage account. If your stocks go down, 
they could they could start selling them off and and uh because your house is not the asset you're borrowing against that's legal for them to do it because they make a little money off of that arrangement and it's is so and you can't sue them for that because uh because they were not a fiduciary they did not have a fiduciary interest so, so it's definitely something to look out for when getting involved well, with that kind of right because if so if you have a if you have a brokerage account or a sofi account or something like that and you are going to use it as a real savings of value then you shouldn't have a credit card on it you shouldn't look at it as as a source of of to borrow funds on mm. you should keep it debt free and so if you get in trouble you don't uh, or the market goes down that you don't have anything sold out from under you right like uh, owe money on it instead of just having money trying to grow and taking more out against it right you should not to really grow an investment savings in value you should not borrow against it and you should not take money out of it you should only put money into it until later in life what do you think like generally speaking what is a short term and what is a long term well by the tax code short term is anything under a year okay so if you hold an asset for more than a year and you sell it and you have a gain that rate is lower than if you uh, than if you had sold it in less than a year mm-hmm. and what the rates are they're going to change now again they're always changing over the years but uh, but by and large so and what's a long term uh, a long term is typically 5 years um but 10 years and at some point when you hold things 30 years and there's some things that we've held that long um that uh, then the basis of it the cost of it is so low compared to what you could sell it for and how much gain that it becomes painful to sell it yeah because if it may have its cost basis may be a dollar but its sale price may be $100 so you're going to have to pay tax on $99 and that wow. can be half, so you could be paying forty-five, four, $50 in tax. Mm-hmm. So it's just a sort of rule of thumb. So that kind of hurts. You think, well, I've held it this long, and it's worth so much more. So, and the way to do <laughs> oh, that is that just is to sell a little bit every time, okay. every year or so, and whittle it down. Gotcha. And that yeah. goes back to portfolio management. Which also goes back to my point of like, it's just not fast. Like, it's not a fast thing. Like, it's like it. So then you have to sell, it might get really big, but you should sell it off slowly so that you avoid the tax. It's like, no, there's no quick, like, super quick investment thing that doesn't come with super high risk, super tax, or, you know, also just is like scary <laughs> and like overwhelming too. Well, it's yes. The, the the best thing to do is to be able to sit with it long term. Mm. So you shouldn't be looking at that moment money as money that you that you are going to need uh, unless it's an absolute crisis, uh, a personal crisis. But if you if you have it as a nest egg and are able to sit with it in that nest egg through a market crash or a correction, like in two thousand and eight when property values and the real estate market and everything went down. There were a lot of people who got so disgusted that 
they looked at their portfolios and said, well, it's worth half of what I put into it. I'm going to get out now. And that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. The, the right thing to do was to not look at it, actually, and just just wait and say, well, it's already lost that much. So um, wait for it to come back around. Wait, wait for it to come back around. And the people who did wait then made back their money and now and have gains again. So right. I, and that goes back to what you said at the very top, like trends will come and go and they seem new to people my age, but like things circle. So it's, again, another reason to hold on. Something else I want to talk about really quickly is like, you, you've taught me this. It's like diversif- diversifying. Did I just say yes. that right? Diversifying. Like you don't want to put it all in just one thing because if one thing goes completely awry or whatever, you uh-huh. need to have you know, it's spread in a couple different places. And so like, well, we just keep using Nike, but like Nike, like you don't want to put it all towards Nike. You don't want to put it all towards just one apartment in one location or one PlayStation, blah, blah, blah. It's important. Or one car. Or one car. It's important to have it spread in different things because different things are going to have different points at different times. Right. Well, that just real briefly that gets to if you're going to diversify your portfolio, the simple rules of, of portfolio management is if you can spread between 20 things, mm-hmm. let's say if let's say your Aunt Esther wills you a hundred thousand dollars and you go to your broker. Love Aunt goes, Esther. We don't have an Aunt Esther, we're just saying Aunt Esther. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden you think, well, this is a great this should go towards my uh my my nest egg, my investment. So you go and you would buy ideally twenty stocks that you believed in, and um, like like if you believed in Nike or Nvidia or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so no stock is more than five percent of the portfolio. And then let's say like Nvidia has gotten really gone up in price, or Tesla or something like that, gone way up in price. And you you maintain a little spreadsheet that says, well, this stock has grown so much that now it's 10% of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what you do is you you sell enough of it, not all of it, but enough of it to knock it back down to 5% of the portfolio. And you take that and you look at either spreading it among the other stocks or maybe a new stock that that you want. So it may go up to 30 stocks over the course of 15 years or something like that. And, uh, or, or the, uh, or the company gets bought out or, or something changes and, and, uh, um, and you don't have faith in it anymore. And then you find a replacement for that 5% position. That's, that's what portfolio management is. And, you can, there now, the brokerage company SoFi has a, a, a balanced portfolio. Uh, so, so, and it's automated. So it just, it does it every quarter. It figures out how, how, how the ratios are of your stock. So nothing's more than 5% and nothing's less. If it goes down to one to two and a half percent and you feel differently about it, then, then you might sell it. But but those that's active management mm-hmm. as opposed to passive management where you just buy an index fund. 
Right. And then there's sector funds that, wow. for example, you can buy telecommunication sector funds or, or green energy sector funds or oil and gas sector funds or, or healthcare sector funds. If you think that some part of, of the uh, economy is going to do well, then you can invest broadly in a bunch of companies that do that. Yeah. Well, Dad, you have been so fun to talk about financials with. Um, is there any like final thoughts you have on money and mindset? I would just be careful not to think that you're, the money you can spend by borrowing money is reaping gains. That's not, this. our society is so bent on having on loans and, and consumer loans and, and God forbid, payday loans or car title loans that are, have high rates of interest. Debt is, it's not necessarily bad, but it needs to be very carefully monitored. And in the uh, prospects of the economy now, you don't want to have a variable rate. You want to keep, if you have to have debt on student loans or something or a house, or a car, you don't want to have that rate fluctuate. You want to fix that rate so that your payment is something that you can make a payment on comfortably for the life of the debt, the term of the debt. And uh, and other than that, just keep accumulating value in whatever you're investing in and don't trade in and out of it and don't trade it, trade it out at the bottom of a crisis or something like that. Stick with it and don't look at it that often. Don't look at it that often. So funny. Well, dad, thank you so much for being on the podcast and talking about these things that I've been so overwhelming. You've taught me them throughout, I think my entire life and it's definitely paid off. I feel like I have a better understanding and I hope somebody who listens to this has somewhat of a better understanding about it too. So dad, where can people find you? You can give them your Instagram handle. I don't have an Instagram handle. Yes, you do. I follow you on Instagram. I think it's N Frygang. You literally have an Insta. You have an Instagram account. It's true. If it is, it's N Frygang. So you can find him on Instagram at N Frygang. But the best way to get me is through my email, nfrygang at yahoo.com. There you go. If you have any questions about the episode or just general questions about this, you can hit him there. So guys- I tried to keep it simple. We tried to keep it simple, right? I know I warned my dad before this. I was like, we can't get too complex because even when you get too complex for me, I'm like, ah. So we hope you guys learned something. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And a big, big thank you to my dad for coming on the podcast and explaining some financial things to us. I really appreciate dad and I love you so much. I hope you guys were able to learn something from this episode and have at least a basic understanding maybe of some of these terms that can sound so complicated. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 